uh, we had so much fun at Spark. Thank you for entrusting your kids to us. Um, as you noticed, when Brandon was up here talking, we have a lot of children's activities and events. One of my favorite is coming up during the school year. It's going to be Awana, where kids can come on Sunday nights, memorize scripture, have fun with their friends. But if you don't have a church home and you're looking for a place to, to plug in and you want a place for your kids to worship Jesus, this is a great church. We have tons of activities and different things that the kids can be involved in. And then, uh, as was mentioned as well, on the 25th, so uh, not this Monday, but the following Monday, our kids are getting ready to go off to camp. And it's a great time where the kids do get away and get to concentrate and learn more about Christ and also have a great time. So thank you so much. Thanks to all the volunteers that made this possible this week as well. And of course, uh, Jen uh, Franklin and Angie Holland and um, April Meckel, we call them the Unholy Trinity, who did such a great job this week of putting everything together for us. It was so much fun. The kids were dancing. I, I wouldn't embarrass some of our elder members as well that were dancing, uh, Fleeta Bennett and Sally Mannion uh, during the course of the week, but uh, we won't talk about them. Well, listen, it's great to have you this morning. And um, if you would, we're going to turn to a passage. I think it's the most famous passage in the entire Bible. What would you guess is the most famous passage in the Bible? John 3.16. You see people holding up the sign at ball games. You see it spray painted on overpasses. And we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to look at John 3.16. Then we're going to back up, kind of doing things in reverse order, and look at verses 14 and 15 as well. I've got three pictures to talk about three different verses this morning. And so, again, thanks for entrusting uh, your, your kids to us, we're super excited about the activities as well after church, so hang around. There's a dunk booth, there's also food that's going to be re- provided. And at all of these doors, before you walk out and leave, make sure that your kids get a little ticket, because that ticket will get them a free Kona ice. Did you hear that, kids? A free Kona ice. So make sure and get a ticket at the door before you go out. So we're going to look at John chapter 3. Verse 16, but before we look at it, I want to tell you a little story about 20 years ago, my wife and I, uh, Amy, we were, were, were sitting down with a couple and having dinner with them. They were about, about 25 years older than us, and they took us out to eat, and we were just enjoying the meal. And this family, um, they knew me before I had become a Christian, and um, they knew that I had surrendered to the call in ministry. I was still young in my 20s. Um, we were both young and we're having dinner with this couple. And, and they, they asked me during the course of the meal, and they, they were not Christians, but they asked me, they said, what changed in you? We've noticed like a big change in your life and you're not like you used to be. You're, you're not the person that you were before. What happened, you know? And so I began to kind of tell them a little bit about my story and To kind of nutshell it, I said, basically, I came to a realization that I was a sinner, that I had broken God's commands and his laws, and that if God is a righteous judge like the Bible teaches, that I'm in big trouble. Because if he judges me by his standard, I'm not going to meet that standard. And God's going to judge me and condemn me. So I wanted to be right with God. And so what I did is I heard that not just the bad news that I was judged by God's standard, but I also heard 
some really great news that Jesus had come and Jesus had died in my place for my sins. And the lady looked at me. This is, a non, this is not a typical conversation, but she goes, wow, that's a great story. She said, I'm so glad I'm not a sinner. <laughs> and she was dead serious, you know? So I said, well, that's interesting. Let's, let's kind of unpack that a little bit. I said, you know, um, have you ever told a lie, even a little lie? And she goes, oh, yeah, I've, I've told lies before. I said, okay. Have you ever stolen anything? Even if it was small, have you ever taken anything that didn't belong to you? Even if it was like a pen and you just grabbed it and you took it and it... She goes, well, yeah, I've stolen something before. She's starting to get kind of embarrassed. And I said, you know, um, you know, the Bible condemns adultery, but Jesus said, if you've lusted after another man in your heart, that's like committing adultery. Conversation got a little weird. I said, have you ever, you know, lusted after... a?" She goes, yeah, yeah. And I said, have you ever used God's name as a curse word, like blasphemed God? And she goes, yeah. And I said, well, by your own admission, you're a lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterer at heart. (laughs) And that's just four of the 10. And if God were to judge you by that standard on the judgment day, would he condemn you? Or would he say, come on into heaven? She goes, whoa, I never thought of it that way. I guess he would condemn me. And I said, yeah. And that's the realization that I came to as well. You know, this week was all about go. Go. But what do we go with? We go with that message of the gospel that people are condemned apart from a relationship and a loving relationship with Jesus. And that's what John 3.16 is all about. So let's, let's read that together. If you would, in honor of God's word, if you can and you're able, just go ahead and stand up. We can probably, most of us, recite it, but we'll look at it here. John 3.16. For in this manner, God loved the world so that he gave his only son in order that all, everybody say all, who believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Father, we thank you for sending your only son, Jesus, our only hope. We're grateful, God, that you didn't leave us in your sin. So many people today are amazed at the thought of the wrath of a righteous God, and they say, how could this be? But when we look at your holiness, and we recognize your character and your nature, we have to say, how could this not be? But you didn't leave us to our own devices. You provided a way. You made provision by providing your son as a sin sacrifice in our place. And God, that is the message of the church. That is the message that we go with. That is the message that all of us need. And as this passage said, whosoever, all that believe, everyone in this room, everyone in the world, anyone who believes in him and trusts him, 
may have eternal life. God, if there is someone who needs heart surgery in here this morning, they, they need their will changed. They need their eyes opened. Lord, would you do that this morning with this simple gospel message of what you did for us? Holy Spirit, we just invite you to work in this place. Convict our hearts. For those of us who are already believers, um, firm up our faith, make it stronger. And for those who have not believed yet, God, give them eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What a simple Bible passage. God so loved the world. You know, many people today, they, they look around. There's a new documentary out on C.S. Lewis' life. And C.S. Lewis would look at all the pain and the suffering that existed in the world. And he would say, how can there be a God? There's hunger and there's pain and there's war and all of these things. And before C.S. Lewis got too old, he began to see not just the pain and the suffering, but he began to see that God had made provision through all of that, that God had entered into creation. God himself had entered into creation to take part in creation, to suffer himself, to take that upon himself and to take our sin and the punishment that we deserved and to die in our place for those very sins that we had all committed. This passage says God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That Greek word is monogenes. It's actually two words stuck together. Mono meaning one, genes meaning of a kind or race. Jesus was one of a kind. He wasn't just a normal human being like you or I. He was human because as an extension of Mary, he was human. But as an extension of God, he's God's son, he was also divine, both truly human and truly God. God knew our problem and our plight because sin is not just something we commit as human beings. Sin is a condition that we have. After Adam and Eve sinned, death entered into the world. And all of us have the same problem. We do the things we don't want to do and the things we want to do, many times we don't do. We don't have the ability to not sin. We all sin. We all separate ourselves from God. And if you don't feel like you're a sinner this morning, walk yourself through that little test that I just did. And you'll realize that, yes, I have been separated from a holy God by my actions. But God didn't leave us in our sin. He made a way. He sent his only begotten son. Now, why was Jesus both human and divine? Because there was a requirement, a payment that must be paid for sin. The scriptures tell us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. But the problem with humans is we're all sinful. We're all sinful. So just if Jesus was just human and he died, he would have died for his own sins. But Jesus is the unique one, the one of a kind, as this passage says. He was not just human, but he was also divine. And one thing we know about God is that God does not sin. God, by his nature, his character is holy. He's completely other and he is perfect. So God sent the perfect sacrifice to once and for all put an end to sin. Now, if you're working at your job and you're supposed to be working anyway and you get caught sitting down, right? And you're supposed to be up and working. What's your boss going to say? You're going to be happy with you? 
They're not going to be happy at all, right? Well, the scriptures tell us about Jesus. It tells us this, that after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of the father. So that's all great news, right? That if there's this sin problem, all of humanity has this condition and we're separated from God and we need to be reconciled to God. That's, that's good news that it happened, but how do we be reconciled to God? If it's true that we're all sinners and you all walk through that little test that I did with that lady that night and you realize I'm a sinner, what is the solution then? Well, I just told you the solution, but how do you relate to that solution? How do you take that solution and it become your own? That's the real question. And the scriptures tell us here, God so loved the world, look at the rest of the verse, that he gave his only son, here it is, in order that all, say all again, who believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. There it is. How do I connect to this truth that God sent his only son to die for sinners? How do I connect to it? How do I take it and it become my own? I believe. I believe what he did. I trust in what he did. I cling to what he did. And he becomes my king. By faith, I can please God. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was in... uh, Uh, Michigan, northern Michigan, and I was up at a little place where uh, Lake Michigan and Lake Huron run into each other in a little strait. And off the coast there, there's this little island called Mackinac Island. Anybody ever heard of Mackinac Island or been to Mackinac? It's a beautiful little place. Not allowed to have cars out there. If you want to get anywhere on Mackinac Island, it's either by horseback or bicycles. Let me tell you something, you're running the gauntlet around those things to try to, it is packed full of people, but the weather's beautiful. When it was 101 here, it was 75 breezy and no humidity there, I'm just saying. It was a good time, okay? But while I'm there, my son Noah and I, we went into a little old church building from the 1700s, and uh, I've got a little picture of the stained glass that I saw in there, and this is really, and you can't really see it that well, but this to me We were in there spending some time in prayer and just talking. And I looked up at this stained glass and I said, this is a perfect picture of what Jesus did for us. There's a cross, if you can't see it very well, and that cross has around it the crown, right? If you want to relate to the gospel, if you want that gospel to be your own, first, it's a recognition of what happened at the cross, that my sin went to him. And his righteousness now covers me. And when I believe that, I don't have to worry about perishing in eternity, but instead I get the gift of eternal life. And guess what? When I believe that, something supernatural happens and he becomes my king. He's my king. And that message isn't just for me, but it's for the nations. And that's why we as a church, imperfect as we are, but covered in the blood of Jesus, appear before God the Father as now perfect because of what Christ did for us. He's our king. We're not perfect. He's perfect in our place. It's the best news of all time. And if you've never believed that, if you've never received that yourself today, let today be the day 
when you give your life to Christ and you trust, you put your sins on the cross and Jesus promises to give you his imputed, his righteousness to you to cover you. I wanna back up a little bit here and look at verses 14. If you've got your Bibles, look at verse 14 and 15. A few weeks back, we had the opportunity, 21 of us went to Zambia, Africa. Does anybody in this room like snakes? Yeah, I like them too. But I don't like them in Africa. I like them here a little bit better. You know, when we went to Africa, it was funny. Stuart Dace has this little saying. He said, I just kind of came up with a saying before I traveled to Africa. If it can bite, it can probably kill me. So I'm just going to stay away from anything that can bite. I thought that was a pretty good thing. We're out and we're kind of, uh, we're on this little trip where we can go and see different animals and things on a little safari. It was a small safari. And we went into this reptile area, right? And in this reptile area uh, was a spitting cobra, okay? A spitting cobra, uh, there he is right there. There's the little fella. He's so sweet. I moved a little funny and it caught him off guard. And listen, he sprayed that glass. And there would be no possible way for me to get out of the way. It happens so quickly. And you know, I'm kind of dancing around trying to make him mad. You can do that over there. And he did spray the glass, okay? And apparently they can shoot up to nine feet very accurately, put out your eyes. But they can also, if you do get too close to him, the bite is fatal. You're, you're probably gonna go down, okay? Well, there's a story in the Bible that was leading up to this verse in verse 16. And it comes out of Numbers, the 21st chapter. And it's a story of the Israelites that are in the wilderness and God's sending them to the Holy Land. And in the story, the Israelites begin to grumble against God. They're mad about the food they're eating. They're grumpy about having left the comforts of Egypt. And God sends these serpents to start biting the people. (laughs) And when they bite the people, they're dying, right? They're dying. And they cry out for help. They cry out to Moses. And Moses cries out to God. And so here's what God tells him to do. Make like a little standard. Form a bronze snake head on the standard. And hold that up high. So that anyone who looks on that serpent, their snake bite immediately will be healed. So Moses quickly fashions this serpent. He holds it up on the standard. And all those people who had been bit... They were going to die. They were in a fatal position. Their earthly lives were about to end. Would look at that and they would instantly be healed. Now, I can bet you, I can bet you that if this snake right here bit you, right here, this spitting cobra, he was able to bite you. And I had the antidote that everybody in this room would run to me as quickly as they possibly could to get that antidote to save your life. How many of you would run to me? As, if I had the antidote and you were getting bit by the snake, you would run to me because you would want your life right now to be saved. Well, I want you to listen. God made us in two parts. He didn't just make us physical bodies, but he made us souls. And this story that happened in the Old Testament, which is a physical example It now, in Jesus' own words, illustrates a spiritual truth. Look at verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, 
Also, it is necessary in this manner for the son of man to be lifted up. In order that all, say all. Good theme today. All who believe in him would have everlasting life. There it is. So it's not just this physical life that we should be concerned about. And as you think about your kids and them being a part of the church as well, it's a spiritual life that God has promised us forever in eternity with him. You know, Jesus said something in Mark's gospel. He said, don't worry about him who can destroy the body and not the soul, but be concerned about him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. We have to be reconciled to God. Humans go astray. And without this gospel to cling to, without Jesus' righteousness in our place, we're in big trouble before God. You know, I didn't take that conversation with that lady any further. But James does. James was the brother of Jesus. And he says this, if you stumble just in one point of God's law, you're guilty of all of them. We have a death sentence, a spiritual death sentence on us. Listen, and Jesus is the antidote. Did you catch it? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up so that everybody who looks on him will be saved. They merely look to the standard and they were saved. They didn't have to do anything, any good works or anything like, they look to the savior and they're saved. Jesus was lifted up on that cross and they were saved. That's what the scriptures teach us. In order that all who believe in him might have everlasting life. I got one more picture this morning. This is a picture from Mackinac Island. It was really, again, it's a beautiful place. If you ever get the opportunity to go to such a place, it's great. And uh, kind of like everything else in history, um, there was a battle over Mackinac Island and the French and the British are killing each other and everybody else in history. But up on top of this hill, and this is where I took the picture from, I took a picture of the valley below as you first come into this, you can see where all the boats dock and you've got to take a ferry over. So you get over to the island and you get off there and you see this huge impressive fort up on the hill because obviously um, if you um, are going to be in a battle, you want to have the high ground, right? What happens when you're in the low ground, right? You're completely at a disadvantage. And so the fortress is the place that you want to be. The fortress is the place where you can shoot down on the enemy. It's the place that's the most protected. And so there's this massive fortress and they've rebuilt everything and archeologists have come in and found all these amazing things. But as I was standing up there and thinking about what God has done for us, and I've been in the Psalms a lot. Psalm 31 is a beautiful Psalm that tells us, in you, O Lord, I seek refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Over and over again, that psalm talks about God as a rock, God as a fortress, God as a refuge. And in his righteousness, he delivers us. So if I were to just break it down and try to make it as crystal clear as I could for all of us again in the room, 
We've got to remember that what Jesus did on the cross was he traded places with humanity. He gave us his righteousness. He delivered us in his righteousness when we look to him and believe. And he took all of our sin and was punished for all of our sin, past, present, and future, at the cross. This is the message of the church. And if you've never believed that before, and you know you're a sinner, and if you believe in your heart that God is a just judge, that he will execute judgment on the last day, that one day you're going to come before God, then you need the righteousness of Jesus because your own righteousness will never cut it. You need Jesus. Will you all bow your heads with me and pray together? Father, we are so thankful in this place for the gospel. We thank you for providing Jesus, your only begotten son, the unique one, one of a kind, not just human, not only human, but God in human form. And that because of that, he was completely and totally righteous and could take the punishment for sin. We're grateful for that today. And Lord, as we celebrate Spark and we're grateful for all the money that was given and just all the great things that happened this week, let us not lose sight that it was all about the gospel and that our job as Christians is to go. If there's someone in this room this morning that has never believed, Lord, we want to give them that opportunity this morning to trust in your righteousness, to confess their sins to you, God. We know you're a a loving and compassionate God. The Bible says that you are slow to anger and you are great in mercy. Lord, if there's any kids today that need to give their life to you, that know that they're a sinner, they're separated by that sin and that Jesus is the only way, would you move in this place? We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.